0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Good Old Days of Radio Show. This is John Tefteller, your host. It's Tuesday, therefore it's Comedy, Variety, and Drama Day, and today is going to be Comedy Day. It's very difficult to select vintage comedy for a modern audience. That is the biggest challenge I face in doing this program. I'm a big fan of vintage comedy, but I also am a big fan of that whole era of the 30s and 40s and and all the comedy that was popular then. And a lot of that today is either considered dated, out of style, or people kind of shake their heads and go, why was this important or why was this funny? So it's a real challenge for me to present something to you that I think you as a younger audience who may never have heard radio comedy before can relate to. Um, A few weeks back, we did It Pays to Be Ignorant, which is basically a half-hour collection of crazy dad jokes, and that is easily relatable to a modern audience. Today, we're going to do Fred Allen. Um, Fred Allen was considered the greatest wit ever to record or ever to be on radio, uh, and I would concur with that. The only problem is Fred Allen's wit was all geared toward contemporary topical humor. And if you can follow contemporary topical humor of the 1930s and 40s, you can follow Fred Allen and have a great time listening to him. However, it is not the 1930s and 40s. So I have selected for today a Fred Allen show, which I think will cross the generations and cross the lines and will be enjoyable to someone in the year 2021 or whatever year you might be listening to this in the future. Um, This particular Fred Allen show is his last radio show, his very last radio show. Quiz shows killed Fred Allen. In the late 40s, quiz shows became the rage, kind of like American Idol and America's Got Talent and um, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and all that stuff has uh, taken over uh, reality television in the uh, 2020s. Um, Quiz shows took over radio in the late 40s. And when quiz shows took over radio, audiences flocked to quiz shows and left the comedy shows in the dust. Fred Allen being one left in the dust. And Fred Allen did not like quiz shows for that reason. And you're going to hear all about his dislike of them in this particular episode. Also joining Fred Allen on this particular episode was his One of his very best friends who had a friendly and very well scripted radio rivalry, radio rivalry, say that multiple times. And that's Jack Benny. You may have heard the name Jack Benny. You probably have not heard the name Fred Allen, but you may have heard the name Jack Benny because Jack Benny went on to television and into even having primetime television specials up until his death in 1974. Uh, so Jack Benny may be familiar to you. If not, a little background on Jack Benny. Jack Benny created a character for himself that was basically a skinflint, a cheapskate, a, a man who would do anything for a dollar and... And saved every nickel he ever earned. It wasn't real. It was all a a gag, but he pulled it off very, very convincingly. And he had a running feud with Fred Allen uh, over a whole lot of things. The program you're going to hear is, as I said, Fred Allen's last show. And on this last show, it is kind of the culmination of their years or decades long feud. So Hopefully there's enough great writing in this, I think there is, that will allow you to kind of transport yourself back to 1949 and enjoy this. It is a kind of a satire on quiz shows. Fred Allen was also very topical and very political, and he had a group of players Uh, which he called Alan's Alley, which was a bunch of crazy people who would meet in an alley one at a time, and they did a lot of topical and political humor. There is a a segment on Alan's Alley on this particular one, but it is— a little bit free of a lot of that, and I think you can enjoy it. So with all that said, this is going to be a little different. If you've never heard anything like this before, this will be your first exposure. I hope you like it. I find Fred Allen to be very funny, very witty, as as I do Jack Benny, and I think you'll like this. If you don't, well you at least tried it. So here we go with the Fred Allen Show, the very last show, June 25th, 1949, sponsored by Ford Motor Company. So if you want to buy an American Ford car, they'll tell you how to get one. Here we go.
1: Let's listen now to the Fred Allen Show. dealers of America present the Fred Allen Show. The Fred Allen Show with Fred's guests Jack Benny and Henry Morgan, Portland Hoffa, Minerva Pius, Peter Donald, Parker Finley, the DeMarco sisters, and Al Goodman and his orchestra. And this is Kenny Delmar speaking for your friendly Ford dealer. Now that summer is here, every single one of the more than 6,400 Ford dealers would like to get his hands on every car that's going around with unsafe brakes, tires, or lights and give it a good going over. Your Ford dealer would like to get his hands on your car to put it in shape for safe family driving. So bring it in tomorrow, why don't you? His expert service will be a revelation It saves so much time, trouble, and money. And your Ford will be a lot more fun to drive when Ford train mechanics using special Ford equipment have gone over it by factory-approved methods. Give your car a new lease on life. You'll be surprised how little it costs when you take your car to the man who knows Ford's best, your friendly Ford dealer. Well, it's Sunday night again And here comes Fred Allen And his new Ford To keep his weekly date At the corner of Main Street As Fred steps out of his Ford He hears a voice say
2: Mr. Allen
1: Portland Well, uh, Portland Have you been waiting long? Oh,
2: I've been looking at the... Outside the newsreel theater.
1: Oh, really? What's new in the newsreels this week?
2: The Gregory Pecks had another boy. Yeah. They have three boys now.
1: Three little Pecks, eh?
2: <laughs> One more Peck, and they'll have a bushel. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: What is that? What is that? What is? Well,
2: I like to start things off with a laugh. With a laugh.
1: Huh? <laughs> it would be better if you started things off with a joke. You know, it would help. <laughs>
2: Yes. As the envelope said to the postage stamp, stick to me and we'll go places. Now wait a minute. Now <laughs>
1: look, look, wait a minute, don't. Well,
2: I'm as hot as last Wednesday.
1: You are as hot as any corner of an ice cube. That's quite
2: <laughs> if I can keep up this pace, I'll end up with my own program.
1: Yes, you will. The way radio is going, that is quite possible. That you <laughs> have... <laughs> Tell me what uh, what else is in the news?
2: Milton Berle has a newspaper column.
1: Oh, I have seen that. I read it from right to left. Mm -hmm. You know they have it in the paper where you (laughs) do.
2: To know he's a columnist
1: I know Burl walks around Lindy's on his knees So that people Will think he's Billy Rose really
2: <laughs> Milton went out To Hollywood To make a picture For Warner Brothers
1: Yes I saw that too It's going to take Three weeks after The picture's made He has to pop his own corn To go with the picture <laughs> When Burl's picture Plays the Strand It will pack the streets
4: Well Well <laughs>
1: About Mr. Television Burl is the only comedian I know Who uses an air wick For a straight man
2: <laughs> Say, I just happened to think You told me to remind you About Jack Egan. Oh,
1: yes, Jack Igan Tonight, tonight Will be the last time Jack Igan's name Will ever be mentioned On our program
2: Are you going to bid him farewell?
1: Yes, Portland, I am Let us bow our heads, sister And face... <laughs> And face the Copacabana As for the last time We mention his name Jack Igan Well, well, Portland There's nothing more to say I think I'll pick up my paper
2: May I come along? Sure,
1: let's take a walk Down Main Street
2: (laughs) say. Say,
1: here's an ad for that radio program I'm going to be on tomorrow night
2: Oh, DuPont's Cavalcade of America The life of Sue Chan
1: know he owns the house of Chan And I'm going to interview him on the program It'll be very interesting My dialect and his blending that way It'll come out (laughs) Say, here's here's an item Look at this Uh, As the first day of summer arrived this past week Millions of Americans started planning their vacations
2: Do you think most people really plan their vacations? Who
1: knows? Let's ask some people as we're walking down Main Street This man coming along with the live frogs on his smoking jacket
2: Uh. Pardon
1: me, sir well, Clackon, say Clackhorn's a name, Senator on that is Well, Senator If you're telling fortunes, move along, son You don't look like no gypsy to me <laughs> but, uh, now, Don't hold me up, son I'm busier than a man with St. Vitus Dance Trying to put on his long underwear you, You're busy? Yeah, I'm heading a committee in Washington To track down them five percenters Oh, the five percenters Have you trapped any of those uh, five percenters, Senator? Well, I got my eye on one little wassup yeah. He's got a second-hand hearing device He's still pretty deep and uh, he's a five percenter? Yeah, the Navy ordered 200 boats. 200 boats? This little deep Sizzabill thought to said goats. You mean the Navy ended up with 200 goats? With them goats in the Navy, son, today it ain't safe to be a rear admiral. Uh- <laughs> You sure have plenty of problems, Senator. Yeah, I'm keeping my eye on them red investigations. Say, do you think, confidentially, Senator, do you think communism is spreading, do you? It sure is, son. Them communists is heading for plenty of trouble. Trouble? Russia's taking over China. Where does the trouble come in? Them Russians are bringing borscht into China. Borscht? Son, when a Chinaman tries to lift that wet potato out of his borscht with chopsticks, there's gonna be trouble. (laughs) Senator, do you think most people plan their vacations? Americans have been planning the same vacations for generations. Really? Everybody in America finally gets to Europe. Finally gets to Europe. Eh? Every year our civilians go over there for pleasure. Every year. And every twenty years our army goes over there on business.
5: Come on, come on.
1: Portland, come away from that jewelry store window.
2: I just learned something. Really? The diamond is the hardest mineral in the world. Well,
1: why is the diamond the hardest mineral?
2: It'll make an impression on a woman.
1: Say, that's real good, isn't it? (laughs)
2: Look who's coming out of Howard Johnson's with the ice cream cone. Who? Titus Moody. Oh, hi,
1: Mr. Moody. Moody, (laughs) bub. Rudy, do you think most people plan their summer vacations?
6: Why, well, it seems to me everybody spends their summers driving around in automobiles.
1: You are in a position to know this? I'd say so. You would, really?
6: Yeah. I, I run a roadside stand for motorists.
1: Really? What do you sell?
6: My sign says, Genuine Farm
1: Eggs, Strictly Fresh. Well, how many chickens do you have?
6: I don't have none.
1: Well, with no... With no chickens, how can you run an egg business? Every
6: morning, I buy a lot of eggs at the A&P supermarket. At the a and P, I I set the eggs out on my roadside stand in nests. I see. Then I dress up as a rube. You dress...
4: You dress up as a rube, eh? Okay?
6: Yeah. I, I put on a big straw hat. Yeah. Tie a red bandana around my neck. Stick a straw in my mouth. Then I go down by the road, and I lean on a long rake.
1: Well, what happens when a motorist drives up to your stand?
6: Well, I start yelling, Well, I swan, by heck, and other rustic expressions. So, the motorist, he thinks he's dealing with a country jay, a pea picker. A pea picker, hey? Uh, he says, he says, How about it, Zeke? Are them eggs fresh? Yeah. And with that, Miss Moody... She's under the counter, meditating. She yeah. starts clucking.
1: She's <laughs> clucking. And the motorist buys the eggs?
6: I ain't missed a sale in 20 years.
1: Well, how many eggs do you sell?
6: Well, I can only sell 60 eggs an hour.
1: Well, why only 60 eggs an hour?
6: There's one born every minute. So long, buddy.
1: So long, Well, come on, Portland. Let's cross over here.
2: Turning the
3: corner.
1: Mrs. Nussbaum. Mrs. Nussbaum, do you think most people plan their vacations?
3: Not me. In the summer, it's too hot for taking vacations.
1: Too hot, you say?
3: Last year at Far Rockaway, my little puppy, a water spaniel, is percolating to death. Oh.
1: <laughs> you lost your dog? Well, what did you do?
3: To my puppy, I'm dedicating a poem.
1: Oh, really? What is it called?
3: A puppy on a hot day I wouldn't want to be.
1: Yeah, it's a little doggerel, hey? Well, how uh, How does it go?
3: A puppy on a hot day I wouldn't want to be. A puppy on a hot day could be someone else, not me. A heading on a hot day I would be, likewise a guppy. But one thing I would hate to be on a hot day is a puppy. <laughs> a puppy on a hot day can wag his tail a minute. This will stir a breeze behind, but the puppy isn't in it. (laughs) For a puppy, I feel sorry. On a hot day, he will pant. I can take my coat off, but a little puppy can't.
1: Good night, Mrs. Hustle. Well, Portland, walking down Main Street is like reading a dull book. It's good to come to the end.
2: You haven't found out anything about people planning their vacations, have you? Well,
1: I tell you, I'll try one more passerby. This little man coming along with the horseshoe crab for a tie pin. (laughs) Uh, Hi, chum. Jacks Cassidy Oh, uh-huh, stand aside, me boy I'm celebrating You're celebrating what? Sure, the drought is over The beer strike ended
0: <laughs>
1: Well, you look as though You've been making up for lost time yeah, I, I think I drank too much beer Really? Why? Every time I perspire Me perspiration has a head on it <laughs> Well, tell me, Ajax, do you think people plan their vacations? You no, know, me boy, I don't plan nothing. I have the same vacation every summer. You do?
6: To get away from the humdrum routine, the grind of doing nothing all year. Yes. For me vacation? Yes. I go to work for two weeks.
1: Goodbye on, you, boy. So
4: long,
6: Ajax. Hey,
1: Let's go, Portland. I'll be late for my date at the music store.
2: You have a date?
1: Oh, say, is this a big night tonight? You know, one of the DeMarco sisters, Ann DeMarco, has written a song. Now, Al Goodman and his orchestra and the DeMarco sisters are going to do Ann's song for the first time on the air tonight. It's called Time Doesn't Change a Thing.
5: have gone, I can't go on, no use in trying, for time didn't change a thing, I miss you so, you ought to know, you left me crying. Me and you will see my love's undying. Cause time didn't change a thing. No.
1: Portland, this is the last time we'll ever walk down Main Street. Let's stop in and say goodbye to the Ford dealer.
2: All right. He's standing inside the door. That's
1: well. Well, Fred and Portland, this is a surprise.
2: This is our last program. We want to say goodbye.
1: Yes, Portland and I want to tell you and all the Ford dealers how wonderful it has been to work for you these past two years. Thank you, Fred. Uh, What are you in Portland going to do this summer?
2: Well, part of the summer, we're going to drive around in our new Ford.
1: Yes, we may sell some cars for you now while we're out on the road this summer. You don't have to sell, Ford's Fred. No. The new Ford sells itself. The new Ford is the only car in its class with a V8 engine. The only one with 100 horsepower. Say, I've heard Kenny say that on the program. Kenny said the V8 is the type of engine used in America's costliest cars. That's right. Yet a Ford with a V8 engine cost hundreds of dollars less than many other cars with six-cylinder engines. The Ford has more power for the weight the engine has to move than any other car on the road. And Kenny always talks about the new Ford feel. Yes, Fred, other features that contribute to the new Ford feel are the solid lifeguard body of heavy-gauge steel, the magic action brakes that are 35% easier to apply, and new springs, hydrocoil in the front, paraflex in the rear
2: oh mama says the new ford is the fashion car of the year
1: that's true portland the new ford received the 1949 award from the new york fashion academy say on the program too kenny says the ford is a big car yes the new ford has more hip room
2: and can mama use that hip room
1: yeah (laughs) it has more shoulder room than any other car in its field and big picture windows all around.
2: Oh, Mama likes big windows. She can see what everybody's doing. Mama's nosy.
1: Say, well, this, this is all mighty interesting, hearing about all the features of the new Ford. But, Portland, I think we'd better leave. Well, why, Fred? You bought a new Ford, didn't you? Yes, but if you keep talking, I'll buy another one. Come on, Portland. Happy vacation, kids. Thanks. Goodbye. Goodbye. Gosh, it sure is hot out tonight, Portland. I
2: think I'll stop in the drugstore and get a frozen frosted. A
1: frozen frosted mm-hmm. ought to go good now. Well, I'll see you later then. Good
2: night. Good night,
1: Portland. Good night. Gosh, I'm... I'm sure, I'm sure going to miss Main Street, the jewelry store, the grocery, the pawn shop. Say, who is this man in front of the pawn shop with a moose head under his arm? Hello, Fred. Henry Morgan. Henry, you in front of a pawn shop? Fred, when I'm working, I'm in front of the cigar store. Well, I know. When I'm not working, I'm in front of the pawn shop. Uh, I gotta hawk this moose head. Hock? But, Henry, you've been working all winter. I know I have, Fred, and I appreciate it. LAUGHTER And, Henry, I just read that you're going back on the air replacing Duffy's Tavern. Yeah, but that doesn't start until July 6th. But, Henry, what did you do with all... You worked all winter. What did you do with all your money? Well, I got tired sitting around on the bare floor of the apartment, so I bought a rug and some furniture on the installment plan. I see. First week I was out of work, to make the payments on the furniture, I had to borrow $300 from a loan company. Uh Uh-huh. Now I owe the loan company, so I have to pawn my moose head. Well, Henry, confidentially, that is a pretty mangy-looking moose head you have there. Fred, please. If it weren't for this moose head, I wouldn't be alive, out of work, and owing $300 today. (laughs) You mean the moose saved your life? Yes, Fred, it did. Last winter, I went hunting up in Canada. Yeah. Got lost in the woods for 12 days. I had nothing to eat. Gosh. I was sitting by the edge of a lake, watching myself slowly starve to death, when this moose peeked out from behind a tree. You saw the moose, did you? I, uh, did. I picked up my rifle. Yes. I was just about to pull the trigger when the moose looked at me with those big brown eyes. Yes. I didn't have the heart to shoot. I put down my rifle. The moose knew that even though you were starving, Henry Morgan, you had spared his life. Yes. And he was so grateful, that moose walked over to me and dropped dead. (laughs) Uh, you uh, you ate the moose? I tried to eat him, Fred But I couldn't look into those big brown eyes No? So I went around where the moose couldn't see me And you ate your fill? Took me three days And when you finished? Well, there was nothing left but the moose head Fred, this moose head is my dearest friend in fact, it's my only friend. Well, Henry, if this moose head means so much to you, why pawn it? Well, Fred, I gotta raise three hundred dollars. Three hundred dollars. If I don't pay the Mohawk Loan Company by four o'clock, I'll lose my furniture. Well, who owns this Mohawk Loan Company? I don't know who the Chisler is, Fred. Yeah. But he wants his three hundred dollars by four o'clock today. Yeah. This morning, just this morning, in the mail, I got a postcard showing a man sitting in the electric chair. <laughs> Underneath, it said, don't let this happen to you (laughs) Pay your loan to Mohawk Henry, you have got to get $300 But where? I think I know where, Henry Follow me Well, Henry, here we are This is the Chase National Bank I'll see if this party is in Say, guard Yes, sir? We're looking for Mr. X Is Mr. X expecting you? Yes, I'm a friend of Mr. X's. Go through that iron door and down the circular staircase. Thank you very much. Come on, Henry. Fred, uh, who is Mr. X? Henry, his name is never mentioned. Yeah, but uh, do you think he'll lend me the $300? Shh, quiet. Here's another guard. You're looking for someone, gentlemen? Uh, Mr. X. Is Mr. X expecting you? Yes, I'm a friend of Mr. X's. Go down through this trap door and crawl through the tunnel. Thank you. Come on, Henry. <laughs> Gee whiz, Fred, it's uh, dark. Say, uh, how much farther do we have to crawl? Shh, Henry. There's a flashlight. Halt! who goes there? It's all right, guard. <laughs> we have some business with Mr. X. Mr. X is in his personal vault, straight ahead. Thank you. Come on, Henry. Help me open this door. Gee whiz. Fred, look at the money in this vault. It's stacked up to the ceiling. Shh. I think Mr. X is coming. Hello, Fred. Mr. X, Fred, this is Jack Benny. Well, Mr. X? Uh, You can call me Jack, Fred. I like to keep everything informal around the vault. Oh, well. Thank you, Jack. I I hope we're not interrupting. No, it's all right, Fred. A little rest will do me good. I've been counting steadily since 5 o'clock this morning. (laughs) I've got a cramp in my tongue from wetting my finger. (laughs) Jack, uh, meet a friend of mine. Uh, I'm Henry Morgan? Morgan? Are you one of J.P.'s nephews? No, I'm not related to uh, J.P. Morgan You're not? No Oh Well, Fred, what's new?
4: <laughs> uh,
1: nothing much, Jack How, uh... How long are you going to be in town? Oh, I'll be here counting all summer Oh, yeah. <laughs> This is Mr. Benny's vacation, Henry He always spends the summer in his vault here Gee, don't you miss the outdoors, Mr. Benny? No, no, it's cool down here And it's so nice and green Say, <laughs> <laughs> you know something? I wouldn't mind spending a summer down here myself uh, Mr. Morgan, is this the first time you've ever been in a vault? This is the first time I've ever been in a bank you, you don't believe in banks Banks don't believe in me
4: <laughs> Jack,
1: why don't you show Henry around your vault? I'll be glad to But before we start, Mr. Morgan I have to take a few precautions Precautions? Yes First, I'll have to examine the bottom of your shoes For what? A chewing gum <laughs> See, last summer, Rudy Valley came in here With chewing gum on his shoes And when he left, $20, $10 bills were missing And Rudy was four inches taller <laughs> Henry, Henry, why don't you take off your shoes? All right, I think I will, Mr. Benny. Uh, you mind if I go through in my bare feet? No, no, not at all. I'll carry your shoes just in case. Oh, thank you. Now before we start, Mr. Morgan, are you a student of money? Well, Henry knows, Henry knows what money is But I haven't been exposed to it lately
4: <laughs> Well, I
1: generally give this talk with a pointer Well, do, do the best you can All right, I'll use one of my fingers, a long finger A long finger yes. would be helpful Now, yes. Mr. Morgan, over here are my fives, here are my tens, here are my twenties And this stack here is confederate money Jack, what are you doing saving confederate money? Well, if the South ever comes back, brother, I'll be the John D. Rockefeller of Atlanta. Uh, Tell me, Mr. Benny, uh, what is this in the glass case? Oh, that is the first dollar I ever made. Well, it looks like a string of beads. It's wampum.
4: (laughs) The first...
1: The first dollar you ever made was wampum? Yes, yes. A nearsighted Indian passed through Waukegan when I was a boy. And I sold him my mother's shawl for a blanket. Oh, I see. Jack, don't you ever think of anything else but money? If I ever do, I'll go right to a psychiatrist. <laughs> Tell me, when did you first think of money, Mr. Benny? The day I was born, I was a bottle baby. I know, but a lot of babies were bottle babies. Well, I was the first baby that ever got a nickel back on the bottle. <laughs> And uh, you've dedicated your entire life to the accumulation of money? Yes, yes, my boy, I have it. It's my fond hope that when I die, I'll go to Fort Knox.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, Jack,
1: Jack, the reason I brought Henry uh, over... Yeah, Mr. Benny, you see, by four o'clock... Four o'clock, what time is it now? It's <coughs> a quarter to four. Hmm, the boys should be checking in. I wonder... Oh, that must be one of the boys now. Come in. Number one reporting, Mr. Benny Okay, number one We had a big day 4,682 nickels Good, good So long, Mr. Benny So long, number one Say, Jack, what are all those nickels? I run my own turnstile in the subway
4: <laughs>
1: But nickels Since the city went to a dime, I'm cleaning up
4: Uh, Mr. Benny Excuse about me, Mr. My... Morgan
1: That's probably one of the other boys Come in Here you are, Mr. Bunny. Oh, thanks, Mert. We had a big day today, 7,600 nickels. Good, So long, Mr. Bunny. So long, Mert. Jack, another turnstile? Mm, No, I also run my own slot at the automat. (laughs) (laughs) But how do you... I have a compartment with a live herring in it. A live herring? see, when someone puts a nickel in the slot and the little window opens... Yes? ...the herring feels the draft and slaps the window closed with his tail. Jack, you mean... I trained this herring and it was time well spent. Well, how long have you had the herring working for you in the automat? Only six months. He's already brought me in over $800. Say. Say, uh, Mr. Benny, by four o'clock, if I don't have $300... Excuse me, Mr. Morgan. Come in. Here it is, Mr. Benny. Thanks, Pop. I got a whole chimney full today. Good, good. Merry
4: Christmas, Mr. Benny!
1: Merry Christmas, Pop Hey, Jack, what is that, San- what is that Santa Claus doing in here? Why, well, he works for me, Fred A Santa Claus working in June? Yes, for people who do their Christmas shopping very early <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mr. Benny uh, Mr. Benny, the reason that I'm here, Yes, see, Jack, I'm... look, Henry has to borrow $300 by 4 o'clock Or some shyster with a loan company Will take his furniture and his moose head Yes, Mr. Benny, see, we thought that maybe you $300. would $300? Be... Hmm I'm a good risk, Mr. Benny. I've been working all winter. Yes. You worked all winter and you're broke? I'm flatter than something that's been stepped on. Mr. Morgan, this is rather a personal question, but what do you do with your money? I spend it.
4: <laughs> I,
1: I see your problem already.
4: <laughs> now, how, how do
1: you spend your money? Well, after a hard day's work, I generally go into a bar for a cocktail. Yes. I buy drinks for everybody, and then we uh, go to dinner. We? After buying a few drinks, I suddenly acquire a crowd of friends. And you buy everybody's dinner? Well, if I bring guests in to eat, I have to pick up the check, don't I? I've heard of it.
4: Being <laughs> <laughs> well, uh,
1: after dinner, the whole gang follows me to a nightclub. I, I pay the check and tip everybody wearing a mess jacket. Always end up broke. That's why I need $300. Mr. Morgan, if you would do as I do, you wouldn't need $300. Well, what do you do? Well, after a hard day's work, like you, I go into a bar. And uh, you buy a drink? First, I let out a shriek so everybody sees me, and then I faint. You faint? A crowd gathers. Somebody gives me three or four brandies to bring me two. (laughs) I get up off the floor, shake hands all around, and leave for dinner. (laughs) Do you eat alone, Mr. Benny? No, I usually find a group of friends at a table and I sit with them Who pays for the dinner? Well, all during the meal, I keep feeling my pat of butter You keep feeling your butter? Yes, when it comes time to pay, I reach for the check While my hand is slipping around, somebody else picks it up (laughs) Well, uh, uh, I'd like to know something After dinner, do you go out to a nightclub? Always, I order champagne for everybody Then just before the floor show finishes I swallow four sleeping pills fast Four sleeping pills? Yes, I don't know how the party ends up Or who pays the check I just wake up in bed the next day Well rested
4: You see, you
1: see, Henry Mr. Benny really knows how to live Nobody ever made me this cheap On my own program (laughs) Uh, Mr. Chief, Mr. Benny, I'll certainly follow your advice in the future. Well, uh, there's just one more thing. Yes, Mr. Morgan. Can you let me have $300? Yes, Jack. Henry has to have $300 by 4 o'clock. 4 o'clock? Why, it's five after four now. Excuse me, that's the phone. I'll answer it in a booth. Fred, it's five after four. I'm ruined. Now, Henry, Henry, don't go to pieces. But, bread, my furniture, my moose head, the Mohawk loan company will take everything. Henry, I'll go home with you. Maybe I can talk to the shyster who's president of that Mohawk loan company. Oh, I'm sorry, fellas. I have to leave. That phone call was urgent. Some business just came up. Well, let's go, Henry. Maybe I can give you fellas a lift. Which way are you going? Well, I'm going home. I live on East 61st Street. Really? I'm going to East 61st Street. I live at 331. Now, that's a coincidence. I'm going to 331. <laughs> then you must be coming to my house. I don't know. I have to pick up some furniture and a moose head. Jack <laughs> Getty. Besides running a turnstile in a subway, a slot in the... I ordinary... also happen to be the shyster who's president of the Mohawk Loan Company. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. WNBC and WNBC-FM, New York.
0: Well, as typical for the Fred Allen show, they ran over and what you had is an example of what happens when you run over in live radio. They just cut you off. And it happened to Fred Allen a lot because he tended to run over with ad-libs and drawing out the jokes and all the rest of it. You might have wondered what the beep was at the very beginning of the program. That was the network cue. And what would happen is it would Uh, New York or wherever the program originated when they got ready to do the show, when they hit the bottom of the hour or the top of the hour, they would send out a beep tone and that would tell the studio where the program was about to be done that, Hey, you're on. And at that point, cue the announcer and start the show. Also on this program as a guest was Henry Morgan. Henry Morgan is another one of the kind of acerbic wits of radio He translated into television. Fred Allen did not. Fred Allen uh, didn't like television at all. In fact, one of his famous quotes is, they call television a medium because nothing is well done. Uh, He was not a fan of television at all. And between television and quiz shows, he was pretty much done in late 1949. He died in 1956. The character of Senator Claghorn, which you heard uh, in the program, that voice and that style may have sounded familiar to you if you are a fan of the Looney Tunes cartoons, particularly a character named Foghorn Leghorn or Leghorn Foghorn. It was based on the Senator Claghorn character from the Fred Allen show. So there we go. Fred Allen, Jack Benny, and Henry Morgan from 1949. That's your comedy offering for today. On Thursday, we'll have a horror show to keep you awake at night, and next Tuesday, we'll be back with comedy, variety, and drama. Make sure you listen to, or listen to, make sure you check out our Facebook group, The Good Old Days of Radio Show, and make sure you share this program with all your friends to spread it far and wide. Until Thursday night in horror, or next Tuesday with more comedy, variety, and comedy, this is John Tefteller saying goodbye.